Amen. Let's do what we do. Don't you like that? Let's do what we do. Good morning, church. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here at High Point. It is a thrill for us to be here worshiping together. Also, a little shout out to our teens, HP Youth. I don't know if you noticed who was passing the baskets this morning, but they were repping hard over here, and uh, we love that. We love to see people uh, serving in God's house and in his kingdom and are so thrilled, even uh, as was already mentioned, for summer nights to begin. Now, I know I've got, I've got a bunch of kids in service today. My own children, some of my kids are down front, so I'm going to be getting... I'm going to be getting the look from my lovely wife if I'm going too long today. Wrap it up, Andy. You know, I'm going to get one of these. Uh, because I do know that our kids are in service today, and uh, we've got a cookout planned. If you're, if you're wondering why everyone's so cash today, uh, much of that is due to the fact that we're going to be out in the sun here in just a little bit. You're welcome to join. Uh, this isn't just for insiders. It's for anybody that's here today. It's all free, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Fun fact about Andy before we pray. I love containers. The container store? Oh, yeah. It's like Jesus ministers to me in that store. Amy makes fun of me because I could have like a box or like an Ikea box or a container or a bag or something for just about everything in our house. I love things to have order, and I love for everything to have a home. I want everything to have a home so that if, you, if you're picking up your house, for instance, everything is hidden and in its proper container. You guys with me? Does anybody feel this way? Does anybody get ministered to by having lots of containers? The problem is that I have too many containers, okay? And then I have, I literally have containers for containers. <laughs> and so uh, I, I love to carry things and put things in, in their proper place. Some of you have a similar problem, but it's not necessarily a container. It's you. It's packing, right? Whenever you go on a trip, you pack everything you can possibly imagine into 19 bags, or you, you're the person that tries to cram it into one suitcase, and you know you're sitting on it as you're you're, you're zipping it up and zipping around. Some of you are the consummate overpackers. I mean, after all, you have to be prepared. For every single occasion. Are, we, are you guys with me this morning? And so we just had our kids, they went to their papa and Gigi's house for, you know, close to a week. They just got back last night. And when I say that our van was filled with stuff to drop them at their grandparents' house, I mean, it was, it was embarrassing. You know, you got the little button and you, beep, you know, the, the, the back van door opens and you just, you've got a You've got giant box fans. You know, you've got coolers. You've got snacks for the road. You've got, you know, short sleeves, pajamas, a change of everything, swimming gear, swimming wings and rafts and everything, everything you could possibly imagine. And the reality is you end up using about 10% of it. You know this. And then you get home and your suitcase lays on your floor for like three months. And you just, you don't, you don't hang it back up. You just pull it out of the suitcase when you need it. You know, you, oh, yeah. Some of you, you're like, yes, that is exactly what's happening. We're starting a new series today, and it's called Baggage. Because the reality is 
most of us are carrying around containers or bags. And we're carrying around things that we don't need. Things that we've never been designed to carry. And some of them are very weighty burdens that we carry around for years. And like a van that gets overstuffed or a closet that just has bins for bins and containers for containers, we end up carrying and packing around with us all of these things. And the reality is God has designed us to travel very light. It's his truth that sets us free. And there are so many things that we carry, and we'll, we'll get to the details of that in just a moment, but in order to really combat this in our lives, one of the things that we're going to begin doing wholeheartedly this summer is really deep diving into the Scriptures. Now, we do that every Sunday where, you know, there's always a moment where I, I'm teaching or someone is preaching and teaching, but what we're going to be doing this summer is we're going to spend a, a really significant amount of time in the single most famous Bible passage in the entire Bible, entire Bible, outside of John 3.16. Thank you, Tim Depot. Tim Tebow made it the most famous Bible passage ever, right? Well, well, aside from Tim Tebow, okay, the most famous scripture on the planet is Psalm 23. David, the poet warrior, is writing about who God is and what relationship with him looks like. And what we want to do is we want to get deep into the scriptures. My hope is that when you walk away at the end of summer, that you are walking away armed with what you know is true, and when the lies of the enemy come to steal, kill, to destroy, to rob you, to sway you with cultural affairs and the latest cultural trend, that's passed around like the common cold, that you will know what is true about God and what he has to say about you. Amen? So we're going to do today what we do not normally do, and I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we read the scriptures today. This is what would have been done hundreds and hundreds of years ago. The reading of the word would have always been attended to by you standing to your feet. We're going to read this together. Feel free to read along and read out loud with me. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the bright paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You may have a seat. That was fun. A little biblical exercise this morning. Yeah, reading the Bible out loud together. Now here we are, we're talking about baggage, and we're jumping into Psalm 23.
arguably the most significant and famous passage in the Bible. When I was a kid, I grew up in the church. When I was a kid going to Lafayette Church of Christ back in the day, right, in St. Louis, Missouri, if you could remember and memorize as a kid Psalm 23, my kindergarten teacher, you got cookie cake. Oh, that's right. Cookie cake. You know, you know, with like the little, you know, the little, the, what is it, the fondant, you know, around the edges? And I, re- I remember it vividly. Mrs. Eatson was my teacher, right? And I remember thinking, I am going to get that cookie cake if it is the last thing that I do. And I memorized Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I could recite it literally to this day because I was so hungry for that cookie cake. I was not going to miss my moment for sugar. And what, what this that Bible passage was simply, it was nothing more to me at the time as a kindergartner as a means of getting some cookie cake. But now what this psalm is to me is what it is to millions upon millions of people. It's hope for a troubled heart. And that's why when people are at they're, they're at the graveside, when people are in the hospital, when people are going through a difficult time, when they're going through the pain of marriage or the pain of divorce or they're going through uh, just a situation and they need hope, oftentimes Psalm 23 is a place that many people turn to for hope. So if there's anyone in Scripture who led a difficult life at times, guess who it was? It was David. The poet warrior, one of the most famous uh, characters in all of Scripture. So here we are talking about baggage. We're talking about hope for a troubled heart. But what is it that we, what what does our heart get troubled with? Beside cute bags like these. It's really nice, isn't it? I mean, you can put a lot in this thing. I'm not going to lie. Sound like Mary Poppins up in this joint. See, what ends up happening is when we talk about hope for a troubled heart, we're talking about our heart being weighed down with different bags and different things. We've got, we've got this baggage here, and oftentimes this, this is the baggage of guilt. We just carry it with us. I think it's a part of who we are. We've got the bag of shame that we leave strapped onto our back and we carry around with us every single place that we go. And then, and then you've got just, maybe this is the baggage of anger. Maybe you just find yourself getting angry. So you've got this particular bag and you can you know, get it around there and you can see it gets hard juggling all this stuff, especially when there's stuff inside of it and it's really heavy. Oh, we're not really done. I'm, I'm sorry if, it, if I led you to believe that. We're, we're not finished with, with bags because then you gotta, you know, you got to kneel down and you got this one over here. and This is the baggage of loneliness. Mm. Fits really nicely around your neck. And then there's this baggage here. Baggage of rejection. Just feeling rejected all the time. We just walk around. The reality is we don't even know we're carrying all of it. 
You're just weighed down by it. It looks, doesn't look this cute. But every once in a while, you get one that you like, right? You got a bag that, that, that culture embraces, and therefore you wear it like a badge of honor. Sometimes men, that, that looks like a, uh, you know, the bag of anger, and somehow anger is this thing that we can kind of deal with pride or we can deal with all these things, but it's almost a, a badge of honor for you to be the, the guy who kind of blows off the handle and, you know, busts his chest out a little bit and has a little macho vibe to him. And so that bag looks really cute, and so we keep it on. Looks real nice. Pick whatever your bag might be. But you can see how difficult it is to function. And these don't have anything in them. It's insignificant. Even if it has wheels. Right? So I'm going to take these off now. I'm not going to preach with all these on. But you get the idea. What does Psalm 23 help us do? And what do the scriptures help us do at large to help us find truth about who God is? They help us find the truth about what God says about you and I. And so for the remainder of this summer, we're literally going to be unpacking the different bags that we carry around spiritually that weigh us down. That God has not designed you to carry. Amy and I went to a graduation, my wife Amy, and I went to a graduation this past week, and and we got out of the car and we're, you know, this is a beautiful building that we're walking into, and Amy looked gorgeous. You know, we're dressed. I've got my sport jacket on, and we're going to the graduation to celebrate, and Amy's in front of me a, a few feet, and I'm shutting the car doors and just um, outside the car and walking, and she begins to walk, and down she goes. Never seen this in my life. Looked like a baby gazelle, you know, with <laughs> just the rubbery legs, and down she went. And I literally, I didn't laugh. I didn't, I didn't, not this time, right? I learned my lesson <laughs> moments like that. But I thought, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I, I'm, I thought that her shoe had broken. I thought, you're going to be that person who's walking in with like a gimpy shoe to the graduation. She's going to be, she's going to be mortified, but it wasn't. She looked, and what it was, was a small little pebble that she just stepped on wrong with her big wedge shoes. And I stood there, and literally on the way in, I said, Jesus, this is a great preaching illustration. Because it's the smallest things that can take you down. It's the smallest lie that can knock your legs out from under you. And what do we do to combat these kinds of lies that you and I are assaulted with time and time and uh, uh, time again. Every single day, you have to get in the Word. And we have to know what God says. So Psalm 23, we're going to just unpack this for just a minute. We aren't going to go very long in it. Psalm 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. Before we even get to the word shepherd, David is using a word here that you and I miss because we don't have the translation to understand it through a Jewish lens. The word the Lord. The name of God isn't Lord, in case you're wondering. 
even though that's the word that you see mentioned throughout most of Scripture, God's name is not Lord. You might think that it is. The, the Bible actually has a name for God, but it was so holy that they didn't want to use it. They didn't want to write it down. They didn't want to speak it out loud because, of course, it was such a holy word to describe who God is. Unless they accidentally read it out loud, they used God's title rather than God's name. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, what did the scriptures say that God's name is? Exodus chapter 3, 13 through 14. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. This is the moment where God is sending Moses to Pharaoh. And Moses is saying, well, who, who am I supposed to tell them is sending me? What's your name, God? What shall I tell them? And God said to Moses in verse 14, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. Exodus chapter 6 says that God spoke to Moses telling him, I am, and he uses the most official name that he has. The name that was so holy that they wouldn't speak it out loud, I am Yahweh. And when we read Psalm 23 verse 1, what you need to understand is the actual word there is God's name, Yahweh. Yahweh is my shepherd. And Yahweh means I am, the great I am. Now, when I use the word I am, think about how you describe yourself. I am tired. I am hungry. I am hangry. Right? I am excited. I'm pumped. I'm amped. I'm and we use all these adjectives to describe how we feel in a specific instance or a specific case. But when we say that the Lord is my shepherd, that Yahweh is my shepherd, the great I am is my shepherd, God understood something that we oftentimes miss, and that's that he, he, he doesn't use any descriptive word after I am. Why? Because any word as great as it might be, the singular, singular use of any word after God's title would take away from all the other attributes and aspects of who he is. Any word coming after I am would in one breath give you a slice of who God is, but it would take away from the breadth of the God that we serve. I am the great I am, meaning I am everything. When the scribes who were putting the scriptures to scroll had to write the word Yahweh, so give you an understanding of how holy it was to them, they would literally take the pen the, 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 that they were writing in, in, on parchment with, and they would wash the pen clean. And before they would write the word Yahweh, they would take a bath from head to toe so that as they did so, they did so with as much purity and cleanliness as they possibly could hold. 
because the God that we serve was held in such revere, such honor, such holiness, that these are the manners in which the Jewish people beheld God. Psalm 102, 27, uh, chapter 102, verse 27, David writes that, God, you remain the same, and your years will never end. Three things about God before we go to a cookout. That was a funny transition, wasn't it? <laughs> I know this is an introductory message to the series that we're in, but we're not even getting past the two first two words in Psalm 23. And this is what you go to understand that this word, the scriptures are this rich. When you understand what the word the Lord means in the Bible, it's not something we just read past as if it has no significance. I am Yahweh. Yahweh is my shepherd. You remain the same, O God, and your years will never end. When we speak of carrying bags around, one of the great things to know about God that combats the lie that this is who we are and this is the, what we're supposed to carry is understanding that the God that we serve is unchanging. You see, God has been for all time, and it's hard for our finite minds to, to grasp an infinite being. In fact, we can almost say that that's an impossible thing for us to fully do. The God is unchanging and has been. He has been, and he has been some more, and he will be. Growing up in my house, my dad, I had a great father. He died at 51, and one of the, the things he loved, uh, he loved us. He was a very caring father. We went to church. He was a great man. But one of the things that was peculiar about my dad is you didn't always know what mood my father was in. And sometimes that could create a little bit of, of kind of precariousness regarding is this Is dad in a joking mood right now? He had a kind of a, you know, introverted, kind of a brooding personality. He was a person that was always stopped going through security at the airports every time, okay? And so he had this kind of deep, brooding mentality to him, and was a big guy, and he'd be sitting in his lazy boy chair, oftentimes with an apple core that he had just finished sitting on the side table, and you didn't always know what mood dad was in. Is he cranky right now? Is he in a happy mood? Does he want to joke? Is he going to wrestle? And so sometimes it required you to tiptoe a little bit around dad. But what you need to know about your heavenly father is that you serve a father in heaven who is not changing. His affection for you has never wavered. You can always go to him. He has never forsaken you. He is for you, not against you. Nothing can separate you from the love that God has for you. And if we know that to be true, we can begin to shed some of these bags because it doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't matter what I look like, I cannot change God's affection for me or the people around me. I can't do it. He's unchanging. I 
we're not finished. Psalm 139, 7 through 8 says, where can I go from your spirit? Actually, before we go there, Psalm 90, verse 2. Thank you. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Not only is God unchanging, but he's uncaused. No one made God. It's hard to fathom, isn't it? No one gave birth to God. Obviously, Mary gave birth to, the, you know, Virgin Mary gave birth to Jesus. But in, in the sense of, of in the creation of the world, there was God. No one created him. No one had an idea that they brought forth and said, now's a good time for us to kind of create this thing called God. That didn't happen. He's uncaused, and because he's uncaused and he's unchanging, when the scriptures say that he put the heaven, the stars in the heaven, when he makes the heavens orbit and he makes the planets align, and when he has created what he's created and he's fashioned you the way that he's fashioned you, he is an uncaused God, and that means he has so much power to handle your problems. And my problems. Because no one can change him. No one can move him. And no one gets to tell God what to do. Now, Psalm 139. Mark, if you want to go ahead and head up here. Uh, and get us ready with the keys. This is, these are the things we're going to begin talking about for the whole summer. Not just these three things about God, but unpacking what it really means to know the Lord and then to know him as your shepherd. He's unchanging. He's uncaused. And then Psalm 139, 7 through 8, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Who can tell God how to do something? Who can tell God where to go? Who can give God directions? No one. Because he's unchanging, he's uncaused, and he is ungoverned. God does not require government in the same way that our institutions do. There's no one like the God that we serve. See, when we talk about God being our shepherd, before we get to the magnificence of the care that our God provides us as our great and mighty shepherd, it's good for us to understand what his very name means on the front end. The great I am. He's uncaused. I am. Uh. What strength. What an unchanging, ungoverned, uncaused quality about God. I am the great I am. That's who you tell them. Sent you. 
the great I am, Yahweh, the one who is so holy, I will literally wash my pen and, and take a bath before I write his very name. This is the one of which I write. This is the one of which I have given my life to follow. This is the one who I can trust to lift me out of despair. This is the one that I can hand with open hands my depression, my discouragement, my frustration, my loneliness, my emptiness, my anger. I think that's the kind of God that I need who can begin to pull these bags off my shoulders. I need a God who's strong. I need a God who's capable. A God who's present. That's the kind of God that we serve. It's the kind of God that we have. And that you have access to. one bag I didn't mention. It's the baggage that we're really talking about today more than anything else. Many of us carry around a, a container, a bag for a God that just simply isn't capable to deal with our real problems. We call this the baggage of a lesser God. God who just isn't really that big. We sing like he's big. We talk like he's big. When it comes to really trusting him like he's big, we'd prefer to carry this around with us. And we'd prefer to do it in our own strength. The Bible says that when I'm weak, In other words, God, I don't have the strength to carry this anymore. I need you to help me. Simply by knowing the beauty and magnificence of your name, I'm reminded that you can deal with this. That you're strong enough. You're capable. You're powerful enough. I can leave that thing in the See, we, we don't serve a God, if you, if you love movies, The Wizard of Oz is one of the greatest, it's considered one of the greatest movies of all time, but there's something, I was so disappointed in that movie when I watched it. Not in the movie itself, I was disappointed that the great and powerful Oz was nothing more than a guy standing behind a curtain putting on a show and smoke and mirrors. He was a wimp. He was a weasel. And many of us treat God the same way, like he's got this big, booming voice. And he's powerful in these moments, but when we really get into peeling back the curtain, we, we, we're somehow serving a God that just doesn't really have what it takes to get the job isn't the God that we serve. 
Lord, we serve is magnificent. And he is great. And he is good. And Peter, the disciple who, who disowned Jesus three times, the disciple who wandered away, the disciple who, who after all this ministry with Jesus, after Jesus was risen from the grave, Peter isn't with all the other disciples. Why? Because he's gone back to what he knows. In his state of discouragement, he's gone back to his fishing boat. And he's just out on the lake fishing. Because after all, isn't that what we do when we find ourselves in a bit of trouble? Oftentimes we cling to what we know and we pick up our old bags again. This man, after Jesus restores him and reminds him who God is, he pens a letter to the early church, and in that letter he writes to cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. First Peter 5 says, Why can you do that? Why can you leave all of these things behind? Simply put, because God in heaven cares for you. That's the message. The Lord, soon to be we're going to get to the shepherd, but the Lord, Yahweh, the one who breathed the stars into existence, cares about you knows the very amount of hairs on your head. He knows your sleepless nights. He knows your painful thoughts. He knows the hurt that's in your heart. He knows the hopeless days. And he is capable of doing something about it. Stand to your feet. Father, we love you and worship you. We thank you for who you are. The Lord of heaven and earth, Yahweh. The one who is true, the one who is holy, and the one who cares for his people. We thank you, God, that you cared enough about us to send your son, Jesus, to represent you in the fullest. Jesus is the fullness of God. Fully man. Fully God. And he showed us a picture of a God that cares. A God that is loving. A God who is fiercely moved for his people. Thank you that you are the Lord. But not just the Lord, you're our Lord. You are our Yahweh, the great I am. And today, with open hands, we yield to you the heaviness in our heart, the weight that we're carrying, anxiety we give to you, fear we give to you, discouragement we give to you, loneliness we give to you. We give to you the baggage of carrying around a God that's not truly capable of helping us in our great need. You are the God who cares. 
invite you in this morning.